G'day folks, it is AOS Coach here and we are talking all the things Lumineth Rail Lords. We know that my guest is on the channel because I hear that keyboard punching away. Oh no, you shouldn't hear that. If you've listened to the Seasons of War live stream, you know when Jordan is, is typing. But uh, there's like a bit of a bit of uh, friendly shaming there. But I am here with the Aether Quartz addicted Jordan Duncan. You obviously know him from mm -hmm. the Seasons of War. Some of the best YouTube uh, battle reports. Actually, not even YouTube, like just generally. <laughs> Age of Sigma battle reports. You're doing absolutely extraordinary things. Big fan. And you're no stranger to this channel. You've been here a couple of times. You've had Ridge on as well. No mm -hmm. Carl yet. We haven't had Carl. And we certainly haven't had Cass. So... We'll make sure to rectify that in some time. But yeah. we need to talk Lumineth. Yes. Cass just made her channel or her like content debut uh, guesting over on Party of the All Points podcast. So shout out. That was a great episode. Nice. Well, we'll have to get her over. That'll be uh, it'll be good. I think get her on before Carl, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to talk Lumineth. And um, if anyone's been watching this, if you're you know new to the channel and you haven't seen these discussions before, for the last two months, I have been doing deep dive discussions with LVO players, players that played at the Las Vegas Open, a lot of people who have done incredibly well, and some really diverse lists. But what really stood out to me, and certainly this is no LVO list because unfortunately Jordan wasn't able to attend, but I know when I was talking to Jordan, I guess the, the premise of this discussion was before the LVO, which was the world's largest Age of Sigmar event you know, during COVID, most people would have picked um, Lumineth Realm Lords to be in the top. They would have been the top eight. Someone would have gotten there. You know, Foxes are bad. Sentinels are bad. All these things, you know, are overpowered. But there was no Lumineth. There was no Daughters as well, but there was no Lumineth, which kind of got me thinking, where does Lumineth stand in the current meta? What does it look like? And I couldn't think of a better person than asking Jordan to kind of give me a discussion and a thought, knowing that you probably would have taken Lumineth should you could have made the LVO. I unfortunately was betraying my elves and I was planning to take Stormcast, but I will, I happy, actually, this, like, that's the biggest question is where, where's Lumineth is, is like right now. And uh, I don't know if you want to jump into it right away, but there's a number of reasons why we've seen like throughout events across the world, Lumineth just kind of disappear. Um, yeah. Well, well, let's, let's get into it in a second because, you know, I just want to set the context, right? Lumineth mm. are a great army in the first six months of age of Sigmar third edition. Lumineth were top five, top five, top six, and you know, in no necessary order, right? You know, if you, you were to pick who was going to be strong in the competitive landscape, you know, there'd be a five or six different armies that would yep. rotate in some description, you know, in some in mm -hmm. some way. Six month mark kind of came along. We had the winter FAQ, and it wasn't just the um, it wasn't just the LVO. Um, even the tournament you're going to this weekend, Jordan. Not only are you not bringing the LRL, but I believe at Grot, Grot, Grot's Gone Wild the yeah. GT, there are no Lumineth lists. Correct me if I'm wrong. You are correct. So what on earth has happened? Have people abandoned and are techless, you know, waiting for techless to arrive and, and to bring light to us? Is something going wrong? Has something changed? Like what has gone on in your eyes? Yeah, so there's a couple changes that, that I think really led to this. And whenever with, with Lumineth, I think we had a predominant build being like techless and sentinels, you know, the 30 block of sentinels and then 
you know, one small hero and a couple units of wardens, maybe some Dawn Riders. That was the prototypical build. And when you have in any faction like a prototypical build and that build gets hurt, you see the whole army get way less representation. And as we'll get into, I do think Lumineth have kind of been knocked down a peg, um, but that doesn't mean they're they're out of it. And I, it, it almost for me, I took a, took like I said, took a step back, and then you know looking back at Lumineth, was able to kind of look at it you know from the ground up again, uh, trying to build it differently. Um, but but I think the two big things that that really hurt Lumineth, um, one was the first one was the points change on Sentinels, which. I'm not not an unfair change, uh, but in your tech list lists, that you know, if your list only went up 30 points, but that was the difference between having um, one endless spell or a unit, and having to drop a unit because you really want your endless spells in Lumineth, having to drop a unit really hurts. Uh, Lumineth are already well, they you know in a Venari build, which was the most common, um, you would have like you know 60 you know, bodies between your wardens and sentinels, but, you know, having to drop one of those just really hurts and makes the army really thin. I'm not saying that that's a, a good or bad change. That's not for me to decide, but that's just playing the army. You really feel stretched. And you see, like in, in battle reports, I had some where I like, didn't take any of the spells and I still had that unit and you could go either way with it. Um, so that was the first big change. The second one was... Unleash Hell. And again, I, I think that was a, a positive change for the game, so I'm not complaining about it. But it, it severely impacted uh, Lumineth. Um, you'd think of two very common kind of aggressive combat armies, Sons of Bayamat, Iron Jaws, both very common in the meta. Um, Unleash Hell was pretty much our best way of dealing with those armies, or, or was a huge tool in being capable of dealing with those armies. And Losing that uh, was huge. And again, not saying it was, I think it was a great change for the game. Um, overall, I'm, you know, I have, I have a, a number of elf armies I love, so I just bounce between them all uh, for the most part. But, but that, that just really hurt Lumineth. You know, they needed to be, they don't have the volume of damage. Um, they have, you know, kind of the scalpel damage where they can like pick a thing and kill it. But the Unleash Hell helped them get more volume of output through, uh, which was you know really big for the army. And, and losing that, like you know, compared to like Daughters of Cain and Stormcast, well, Stormcast is just nuts. But you know, some of the other armies that are, have a similar tool set, Lumineth, you know, were kind of on the lower end of damage, and then just dropped even further. I want to pick you on two points there. First off, you you said the points change, right? Mm -hmm. Now. On the surface, the points changes weren't that great. You Sentinel units went up 20 points. Was it 20 points, the jump? Yeah, I think they went up to 150 to 170. Yeah, something like that. They went to, they might have gone to 160 first, like 40 to 60. Yeah, they went, I think 140 to 160 and then and then up to 10 more to 170. Yeah, so so you know, like on this on the surface, I just want to like paint the picture, right? Mm -hmm. Because on the surface, you look at it and go, oh, well, the points jump 10, 20 points, so what? You know, but when you when you start looking at where the points jump, which was the sentinels, for example, when you would take one of the most common lists that people would see would be 30 sentinels. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're if you're Jack from re-rolling ones, you're running 50 sentinels. 
um, Jackie, you naughty, naughty boy. But I, like, I, I you know, when you, I can't, I can't say anything. But time. like when you when you multiply that ten to thirty points across five, yep. all of a sudden that is a really big jump. And one of the things that you would have noticed from Luminet lists in the last six months in third edition was there was no fat. Mm-hmm. You know, as much as I wanted to run Dawn Riders, as much as I wanted to run a Law Seeker, as much as I wanted to run whatever unit it was, one of the reasons we saw Lumineth the way it was was because you needed certain competitive things, the Cathalar, the, you know, the Wardens, the Sentinels, and then you didn't have many points left. So that kind of really hurt to your point is, do I give up an endless spell? Yeah. Do I give up um, uh, a unit? And you need the bodies. Yeah. And... and- Actually, in a number of games I've played recently with Lumineth, like over the past month, and some that have been on the channel, like I actually sometimes drop that little foot hero or the Lord Regent, who I love, if I have Techless, because that then I can take Techless, you know, the same number of units before and the two endless spells. So, but dropping that hero is huge too, right? It's, like you said, it's it's just yeah. I mean, it's. I'm not saying it's a bad, good or bad thing to to feel, but like points wise, I'm not saying the army's in a bad place or anything, but you definitely feel stretched. Yeah, and, and you know, and I'm trying not to have a winch here, folks, uh, yeah. and I'm also not trying oh. to laugh at you because uh, <laughs> I I have no sympathy for you LRL players. That's fine. We don't <laughs> need it. <laughs> no, but like in all seriousness, yeah. um. We're trying to paint the picture to go, right, well, what's changed in the landscape with Lumineth? And then how is Jordan seeing it? And how you start building around the current meta? Because you're right, we've had points changes. You've had Unleash Hell. Now, you haven't lost Unleash Hell. It's just that the restrictions have changed. You're now within six as opposed to nine. But also it is model, not unit. Yeah. So if you if you don't deploy your units properly, if you stretch out or if your opponent's able to tag certain spots you may find that that unit of 30 Sentinels that you've spent a lot of points to um, get Lambert Light and all those things on it, you may not get the full 30. So, you know, positioning and tactics is really key because you're not getting the output. Mm-hmm. Is that a fair assumption? I just want to paint the picture because yep, yep, you sure. lose it. It's just changed. Yeah, and a lot of it is like you generally have to screen your Sentinels. So to screen your Sentinels, you're basically right up against the screen now, which makes the screen ineffective. Before you had that that more generous gap and now it's easier. Yeah. They can tag an end of, end of a screen or something else or try to, and you're just not, I don't know if I've ever like recently, like used on the shell with Sentinels in the past, like five games I've played with them just because it's easy enough for your opponent to mitigate it or, you know, do different tricks. It, you could always get around it different in different ways um, depending on the army, but now it's 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 much easier to get around it, and that's not again not a bad thing. I think that's a good change for the game, um, but just a cause of you know uh, Lumineth kind of stepping back a bit. It's a consideration for your list building, and maybe that's why you don't want to go fifty sentinels anymore. And we'll go through Jordan's list. I'm going to get uh, Jordan to give me his thoughts on the allegiance abilities, what he's building mm-hmm. around, as well as one of your current lists. And I know you've been practicing this list as well, so you'll have some experience. It's not just mm-hmm. math hammering this particular one. But the other one I wanted to call out in the last six months, and we really saw the rise in popularity was the Fox build, mm-hmm. where you'd have multiple Severeth plus generic fox two three i think i think joe cry at one point might have even had 
five foxes in total, yeah. including Severeth, right? Like there was absolute carnage. But that's kind of dropped off as well. Yeah, I never personally I never bought into the like the spammy list with, with them. I think you know one or two like I think one has utility because it's just such a fast threat that people need to worry about, but it's not again volume of damage isn't there. And and consistency consistency with them isn't necessarily there either. Um, but the reason the reason you know we've fall, seen those fall off I, is just because of the shooting presence in the game. If it was all combat armies, they would harass the heck out of them um, and not let them charge or do anything and box them in, which is what they, what they do really well. But because there's armies, Dars of Cain, even Ideneth Deepkin, I played against a, a Foxus with Deepkin once and my sharks just shot them down and you know then quartered them because I, I, had, I had both the, you know, the shooting and the speed, so... Yeah, yeah, there's definitely a few things in the rise in the meta, right? You know, we've had more shooting than ever before. You know, rewind six months ago, we didn't have nearly as much shooting. Yes, we had bow snakes double tapping. Yes, we had Lumineth archers, but we weren't seeing the rise of, you know, many other shooting mm -hmm. and mortal shooting as well, which, you know, is going to, you know, you're not going to be putting, you know, prote protection of Teclas or Hish on, on a fox. They, they're annoying, but there wasn't really enough shooting to kind of handle it. Now we're seeing a far greater output and projection of power that um, the four foxes or five even foxes um, mm. has kind of dropped in popularity. Yep. I, I think um, to uh, as a little teaser, I think uh, Hades uh, in the chat makes a good point or a, a good comment of like um, not running Teclis anymore. And I don't think that's, Techless, I think Techless is still great. He's still amazing. He's such a good tech piece, but um, he is such a point sink that it does. It's part of the reason why your, your damage is more limited because he's not doing damage. He's there for the tricks and the tech and the shenanigans, and the you know reliability uh, and anti magic defense, both with like his auto unbind and like this you know spell reflect. But magic has fallen off a ton in AOS in the current meta as well. So part of the big value of Teclas isn't really, you're not leveraging near as much as you, you used to be. And uh, I mean, here's a, a fourth reason why I think Lumineth has fallen off is, again, we talked about their damage output. Um, we've seen the meta kind of creeping and shifting towards a more tankier kind of play style with some armies, not the whole, the whole meta by any means, but... Sons of Bayamat have always been an issue for Lumineth. Um, and now, you know, there, there's like, um, you've, I don't know if you saw on our channel, like the, the Blight, uh, Pastoral Blightlord list, where it's just a ton of bodies, like to chew through really fast. They can be super aggressive. There's, you know, hordes in a number of different armies. Like uh, we saw Levon take, uh, you know, 120 zombies to second at LVO. Uh, plus Omega, plus Omega as well, right? Yeah, like, yeah. It's like, like that's a lot of bodies, and you know you've got the Nurgle resilience, you've got you know uh, Soblight mm -hmm. Grave Lords. You know, I played a list last weekend with you know sixty zombies, thirty skellies, twenty Grave Guard. Like it was just you know bodies after bodies, and I think that's one of the natural predators to armies like uh, Lumineth. Who, if I rewind six months ago, whether it was the back end of second edition or early in third edition. We had a lot of little support heroes. If I built my list, I'd have like a mega hero and a couple of support heroes running yeah. around giving buffs and spells and whatever it might be. 
you've now seen those types of lists really pull back. And that was one of the benefits of Lumineth with your Sentinels is with those five wound, six wound heroes that were, you know, really supporting and supercharging the, the, the unit, mm -hmm. you could pull them down. You didn't care about Lookout Sir. You could pull them down with Mortal Wounds, pull down that key wizard, and then you would do your thing. Yep. Now we're going into these big mega heroes or these super durable ones that you're like, the pulling down from the Sentinels isn't really as easy. You don't have the volume of attacks to do your thing. Yep. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot. A lot we can discuss here. You know, to to kind of bring it into a, a, a maybe a focused conversation. Is it all doom and gloom? If I'm a Lumineth player, should I pack my toys away until Tyrion comes along? No, definitely not. Um, I think this is almost my favorite position for an army to be in, where you know this army still has strong tools. It's definitely, you know, you might have to look at it differently than you used to. But people have also moved on from worrying about Lumineth. So if you to be a little creative, you know, think outside the box, come up with builds, do some testing. It's it's those hardcore Lumineth players that like really know their army that are going to be a force to be reckoned with still. And, and that always is the case. But you see like, you know, the super popular armies, a lot of people will jump on them, pull their army off the shelf when they when they did a buff, like we're seeing with Stormcast. Um, but like the people like you know that are diehard with with one faction for a, a year or, or whatnot, those are the people that like are still going to be able to leverage those tools, um, look at the book a little differently, and you know so, like have there'll be some surprises and and you know you'll catch people out because they weren't prepared for something. Yeah, and it's it's fascinating because you know in the chat um, I'm getting a lot of people talking about the the Mukau, getting a lot of you know um, what's his name no, Avlanor Av I was going to say Alarith. no it's, it's Avlanor Avlanor and you know it's interesting because I was having this conversation I was at a tournament last weekend and I got to play a Lumineth player and um, we were having a chat and I was like it's amazing that this book is really rich. You know, you've had two updates. You're on your second book now mm -hmm. and you've got a really deep, you know, backlog of models. You've got that Goku flying monkey magic cloud wizard. You've got that totem bearer. You've got the stone guard. You've got Dawn riders. You've got so many great troops, but there's a lot of things that we just don't see, mm -hmm. especially like in the, in the, in the meta right now, which is all around monsters you would have imagined Avalonor and the generic battle cattle or the beefer of secrets would have found its spot in the meta. Yet here we are very little beefer of secrets. Yes. Um, funny enough. So the list I submitted, um, I have two versions of it. The version I did not send you, and I'll talk about, you know, changes you can make to the list when you do that, uh, included Avalonor or it could be either one, either Avalonor or the generic one. Uh, Avalonor, you want to take, but he's only red one, or the other one has red two. Uh, so bo both are options. And yeah, so again, that's where I'm talking. Like a, a piece like that could, you know, you can catch people out with it sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, look, the silver lining here is, you know, while they are B tier, and I, 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 maybe that's a bit of a stretch. I think Lumineth for a while have been certainly a gatekeeper into the top. Like I, I wouldn't say they were the best army in the world, but certainly not the worst army in the world. Um, you probably will get less people roll your eyes, as Manny said, uh, yeah. that you are a Lumineth player. Because exactly. You... <laughs> 
look, you're a beautiful army. You've got great tools. I think people just don't like you using your cathola and stopping me doing my thing. They mm -hmm. don't like the idea of being shot off the board and not being able to do anything, right? So, look, you know, hopefully we, we come down a little bit and you get to enjoy your toys. Like, I've seen a lot of Lumineth players just not enjoy playing, which is unfortunate because it's not your fault. It's the army that you got drawn upon. Um, you enjoy it. You painted it. You should be able to enjoy yeah. your toys. Like, 100%. I laugh at the faction, not at the person. And yeah. you know, hopefully, you know, I'm a mega Gargan player. I, I took it when I when when Gargans were great. Now mm. I've got Kragnos and I run forward. <laughs> All right, let's let's get into the faction and uh whoa, jump to your list. Do a bit of a spoiler <laughs> alert there. Don't pause it and go back. We'll go to Jordan's list in a minute, but I want to kind of get your thinking like, right, okay, let's let's reset the landscape here. What what has what we ran in the last six months of third edition has slightly changed points increases you've mentioned you know um uh, unleash hell there's other things that have changed as well but you know not in a, a magic meta anymore you got you got a couple of key abilities right you got you absorb power through your cathalar you got the shining company abilities you've got the aether course reserves and also your lightning reactions when you build a list and you're thinking about putting it on the table and and winning a tournament how much of this is relevant to you how do you look at some of these rules like give me your thinking and, and your observations when you look at the rules <sighs> well obviously lumineth when you look at all their abilities and like the the tools and different things they have and spells and buffs and artifacts lumineth like if you looked at all those the army sounds insane but then when you look at the units and they don't really leverage them. Like if, if you gave like a different army, all these tools, it would be nuts. But, but you know, like, like you kind of alluded to earlier, we don't have like a big, you know, smashy hero that can take an artifact and a command trait um, in the like 350 to 450 point range. If we did, that would be nuts. Right. Cause there's just so much we can, we can do with them. Like, um, yeah, so, so overall, it's you know, still very, very strong allegiance abilities. The Shining Company minus one hit is amazing. A little... What, what, why is it amazing? Like, I, I want to just assume that I was a new player and mm. I'm looking at this going, right, we'll subtract one from hit rolls for the Shining Company, but I can't pile in. Well, I can only pile in one and mm. I can't run and charge, right? Because yeah. when I look at that rule as a um, an inexperienced or a new player, I feel like they're... they're um, their restrictions, right? I can't run onto an objective. Um, charging is a whole lot harder. And when I want to pile in, normally I want to pile in my three inches because I want to maximize how many models can get into combat. That's a very generic third edition way of looking at things. Is it worth the minus one? Talk to me the Lumineth side of that. Short answer, yes. Um, the, the big context with Shiny Company is you looking at Wardens. So your Wardens are your main damage output, they're your main combat piece, they're your main hammer, anvil, everything. They're, they're your grunts, uh, or they do the grunt work in the army. And they've got three-inch range, so a one-inch pile-in doesn't hurt them near as much when your opponent already has to end a charge within half an inch. Um, so so the minus one hit just helps kind of uh, lower the, the damage threshold of, of like the damage coming in from opposing units, um, which is just important because, you know, they're not the most resilient army. You know, they'll have one turn of supreme resiliency where they can do like stack plus two to save. Uh, but 
but outside of that one turn, you know, they're, they're a four up save. Um, and sometimes can have a ward save, but it's not all the time. And yeah. So, so the minus it's one, most, it's, it's, most of the to- it's most of the time. Come on, Jordan. You've the, mostly got your, you've mostly our protection of here, Sean. Like, come on, you're five up ward. If you're not, if you're not techless, yeah, you reliably have it. Um, another, sorry, going back, another reason why we're seeing, we saw Lumineth dropped off. This is reason five is Stormcast Eternals. Uh, so, uh, just literally pushed um, their presence, them coming into the meta, pushed Lumineth out in a big way because they can kill Tackless turn one before you have a chance to go. I was, I, I, I am going to ask you just after we look at the rules, yeah. who do you, who do you like fighting and then who you don't like fighting? Yeah, so, and so, no, 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 yeah. no, it's a good point because um, when I think of Techless, um, when I think of Techless, you know, one of the things that used to keep Techless at bay was things like Carriage and Overlords because you could drop from the sky, mm-hmm. pew pew, but their rend is not very good at the moment. And who knows what the new White Dwarf next month is going to bring to KO. Who knows, maybe they're going to get Beast of Chaos with Ren 5 or something. But until that point, there, there hasn't been a lot of natural predators to Techless. Now the long strikes have come back. You've got the Holy Command to shoot in the hero phase. Yep. One drop. They can they can probably pop Techless before he's put on protection of Hish um, through the long strikes. And mm-hmm. if they have like Bastion or some other type of, of um, dragons, if they've got dragons coming for a couple of extra cheeky mortal yep. wounds. Yep. And obviously with, with uh, like armies like Stormcast, they have the Scions, Teleport, all that. Um, compared to someone like Daughters of Cain, Daughters can't leverage that hero phase shoot turn one. So even if they win, win the one-drop roll-off and drop first, you you can position Techless outside of their range. So he's, you know, yes. survive until your first turn, where you lose that roll with, uh, against Stormcast, Techless is just dead. Yeah. Yeah, especially because Signs of the Storm, right? Because you might think, I'm going to deploy outside of 30 inches in a void. But if they put those long strikes in the sky, they're going to drop in. Yeah. And they can't use their Holy Command to shoot in the hero phase, which will help. But... Uh, it still means they can reach yeah. out and there's no way to protect and, Techless. And they have that two-up re-rollable teleport. Um, obviously, that they, if they do deploy on the board and have that drop, knowing that they can take first, then they can translocate, get into range anywhere because they can cover the entire board pretty much, and then use that Holy Command and finish it off in the in the actual shooting phase. Yeah, and that, that, help, that, um, that teleport is a prayer not mm-hmm. a spell. Yep, so same. the Lord the Lord Relicta, there's nothing you can do as a magic faction to stop it. So yep. again, we, we share this with you folks because we want you to think about this. And when you when we move into the list, we'll, we'll unpack it a little bit, but start thinking about what you're you're gonna face in the meta and what's caught, kind of terrorizing you and how do you make the most of the rules. But I guess um as we were previously talking about, you know, you've got your Venari units and I think the, the benefit as well is the fact that your wardens have what a three inch attack. Yeah, so to definitely. get maximum attacks out of your um, wardens, first off, you've got the range, but two, you're probably not building out units of 20 or 30 wardens anyway. They're there as, as chaff. They're protecting um, the, the juicy middle, whether it's techless, whether it's sentinels, whether it's something behind the scenes, yeah. um, you're probably not building around your, wardens right T- typically I, w- I would agree with you um that's the bu- main build we saw again techless 30 sentinels and then you had like three by ten wardens 
because you needed to space them out to get the screens. Um, you know, we'll we'll see. Uh, I think I think there is reason. There's always been reason to run you know twenty wardens um, at times because again they are are your best hammer. They are the most damage that Lumineth has. Uh, so yeah, they're, they're Even, definitely. Do they do more damage than Stone Guard and things like that? Yes. Yeah. For sure. What What about Blade Lords? There. Um. Yeah. I don't think Blade Lords. I, I would. I haven't like ran the numbers in terms of like mass Blade Lords, but I can't imagine uh, them out damaging you know wardens when you consider like the the five up mortal wounds. Yeah. Yeah. No. It, it's just fascinating because you know again it kind of goes back to why we start seeing pretty stock standard Venari stuff, you know, Wardens and Sentinels, whatever it might be, 30, 20, do whatever you want. But that is fundamentally a core of competitive Lumineth right now. Yep. Uh, Hades mentioning that Stone Guard need babysitting and Blade Lords are trash. Well, I don't know if I'd say Blade Lords are trash, but certainly they're not that, they're not amazing. I mean, they're cool models. Yeah, but, yeah they're solid. Um, but... But they don't do enough. Like they're, they're a good jack of all trades, but they're certainly not a master of anything. Yeah, yeah. With your Cathalar and your Aether Quartz reserves, are, they, are these important to you? Are you always taking a Cathalar to take advantage of the um, the the, absor the absorbed despair? Or I think the Cathalar has always been a great tool, and that is an amazing ability. That um, especially with more hordes, maybe we want to leverage more. Um, I always was of the opinion that when you when you you know took Tacklist previously and one other small hero, it could be the it could be the, uh, the Cathlar, it could be the um, Lord Regent. Those were the two primary ones, and whichever one you wanted to choose, it was kind of like one was better in some matchups, what the other was better in other matchups. So definitely solid. Again, like forcing a bigger battle shock especially if you get like something like total eclipse off is is super relevant um against some armies the cathar is also great because of her uh, her spell where she can lock down a unit against uh, the major target you really want the cathar because you know you also ding it for minus one bravery and then you will yeah. td6 over six to basically lock you know turn off a major target yeah, I, I was lucky to play an Arch Region as opposed to the Cathalar because yeah. my Bravery 7 when I was running, I was I was so scared of it. I'm like, oh, I hate that, especially yeah. when you've got um the, the Umbral Spell Portal and you can chuck that through. I'm like, I hate you so much. Mm -hmm. um, Manny, Manny making a really good point, and I, this is probably why I wasn't completely ready to trash uh, Blade Lords, is that they are good if we're in a Horde meta. So when you have, let's say, 60 Zombies, um, they would certainly clear through a lot more zombies, but we're not in that meta just yet. So um, I wouldn't. I'm not rubbishing them, but right now in the current landscape, they, they don't have the tools that we need to succeed. Yeah. But so, what in your opinion do you think it's Cathalara or Arch Region with the current top? Um, and obviously, we're I'm, I'm talking to you as a competitive person, folks. So mm -hmm. if you love your whatever model, right, your banner person, whatever, it doesn't matter. You run the list that you want to run. But if I want to do really well at a tournament, do you think the Cathalar or do you think the Arch Regent's probably a better hero for what you're likely to face? If you only have room for one, again, I think it's still a toss-up either one. They're both good. It depends on some, some matchups. One's better than the other. Depends on your meta. If you have a lot of Gargants, you potentially want to go Cathalar. Um, 
if you, you know, there's some anti-magic out there, you might want to go to the Lord Regent to have redundancy of power of Hish. So they're both really good. I, I couldn't say one's better than the other innately. Uh, if you have room for both, take both. Flamingo Pie in the in the chat. I, want, I just want to call this out because we've talked a little bit about Horde, right? And Flamingo Pie mentioned, you know, Skaven uh, hasn't been officially announced, and you're already predicting a Horde meta. Mm -hmm. It's not Skaven that I'm that's going to lead to the Horde meta. It's the fact that right now there is a lot of elite shooting and there's a lot of mortal wounds being thrown out, right? But it's not mm -hmm. a horde amount of, of mortal wounds. And the tournament that I went to last weekend, I was almost going to pull the trigger and bring my 160 grots to the to the party. Because guess what? You got sentinels. How many mortal wounds are you doing from a sentinel each round? Uh, 30, you're doing 10 you know, without lamb and light. Maybe you know, 15 Great. if you have lamb and light. I've still got 140 grots. Yeah. Like, I don't care. So one of the ways that you can get around these, this mortal wound scalpel approach, whether it's not just sentinels, but dragons and, you know, uh, long strikes and things like that, daughters of Cain bow snakes, is how they have bodies. Mm -hmm. That's the zombies we talked about. That could be Skaven, it could be Gits, it could be uh, Cities of Sigma with lots of bodies, um, or resiliency like Nurgle. So you you start to you start to play against and make life harder. So mm -hmm. you know, I still have 160 bodies on an objective. Bring it on with your slow moving up the board sentinels. Yeah. yeah. Um, what one? So I think you know, look at the allegiance abilities. I think Aether Court's pretty much the same. No real change lately in terms of like. It's impacting the meta. Um, you know, the plus one save is great when you need it. You're that's pretty much the one you're doing most of the time, unless you want to reroll a cast or do plus one to get a spell off. But I think Lumineth, and this is, goes back to my point of like, we have amazing abilities, but not necessarily the best tools to use them with. Lightning reactions in any other army with like combat hammers is insane. Two units basically two units fighting first or like or you have you know what i mean it's two units activated every turn before the opponent's one whatever it is yeah but like you know the typical builds we're talking about that we saw with lumineth like the fox build they you know two two three by ten wardens techless build two three by ten wardens so at most you're activating a unit of ten wardens and then a unit of ten wardens so lightning reactions really wasn't super impactful um and I, you know, I do think it's one of the strongest abilities, but again, Lumeth doesn't typically have the, the tools to, you know, really leverage it. Um, but I think, you know, in a, in a build like the one we're going to talk about uh, in a little bit, it definitely has the ability to really, you know, make good use of, of the, you know, activating two units. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like Lumineth, not Lumineth, uh, Ideneth. Ideneth, Lumineth, like you've got, yeah. you're all the same faction. Just make up on Father's Day and just just be brought, brought into the battle tone already. Mm -hmm. Let's stop faking it. But your Ideneth, like they built the whole strategy around everyone fighting first, right? So mm -hmm. again, you know, to your point, in another faction, two, two activations over one would be brilliant. It's just that you don't have the combat tools to really make the most of it. Yeah. True. In, in traditional builds. Yeah, of course. I'm, I mean, talking generically, I'm not going to talk every single build in the book. And like, there's so many different options. You've got like the twins, and you've got like the the Dawn Riders, and you've got like late lords. And like, look at me mm -hmm. with my Lumineth knowledge. Who do you do really? Who do you do really well against? Like, in your ideal, if you're going to want to win a tournament and you had the easiest run or the best run, 
what are the types of armies that your type of Lubineth does really well? So I'll do that, and then I'll do the other side, and then I'll bring up the list. Yeah, well, you look at um, Rob's stats, Honest Wargamer, their stats like from like a month or two ago, and you'll look at Lumineth and be like, oh, Lumineth is, you know, has a really good win rate. They're one of the top three, top five armies. Oh, they're like, they're okay against the top armies, but they're really good against all the like mediocre armies. Um, so, you know, B tier and below. And and that holds true. Um, you know, they can, they have the tools, you know, in, in the, you know, with their tech to like really bully some of those armies whether it's through bravery or, you know, shooting off their heroes, those kind of things. Whereas, you know, the, the armies that we're seeing that are, are really strong, they do have the tools to deal with Lumineth or just don't care about what Lumineth is trying to do. Like we talked about the Sons of Amat and, you know, 120 zombies, stuff like that. Um, so Lumineth is traditionally just, you know, beaten up on the little guys, unfortunately. And I think that still holds true a lot of the time, but, Again, they they it's not that they you know couldn't win the tougher matchups, but they went to more you know of an even matchup or you know you know maybe a forty five percent win rate against the top armies, something like that. Do you need techless to win? Need no. Um, he was a strong piece again, especially when there was a little more magic in the meta. But I think now with with the where the game is, we're looking towards needing more damage, uh, you know, potentially needing more bodies, not needing the magic defense anymore. Um, mm. So, so Teclis's stock is kind of, I would say lowered where you're, you know, at his price point, he's not doing as much for you game in and game out as, as he used to be. Yeah. It's interesting because a lot of combinations are happening right now and you're seeing maximum damage being mm -hmm. delivered between rounds one and rounds two, you know, and in, in many cases right now, you you know, you could see the game kind of ended by turn three, which plays negatively against things like Nurgle who want to slow grind and, you know, slow grind itself out to victory, but you don't have the power projection to do the damage. Like, you know, Josh Craig mentioning in here, you know, you're seeing things like Forminators and Dragons, you know, double more Crushes and Gore Grunters and things like that. There's a lot of just damage happening really quickly that you can't play in that kind yeah. of space. You're, yeah. you're very much in a control, you know, very much in a, a, a movement, a blue deck magic if you play that kind of game, you know, very much around whether it's the law seeker, whether it's the foxes, whether it's just the Cathalar, you have a lot of tricks to play. Mm -hmm. yep. I can add to that one. Easy. No, no, I'm I'm in full agreement. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's how, how how do you go against dragons? Like, I guess that's probably the because it's there's two, two big bads right now. One is dragons. Everyone, including me, I was paying five dragons. Don't tell anybody. Um, but like everyone's running dragons at the moment. Obviously, that was really popular. The LVO. We're all we're all kids. We always want to play with mm -hmm. our dragon toys. How does Lumineth go against dragons? Um, I haven't actually tested that uh, that specific matchup. Like anyone, the mortal wounds can really chew through chew through Lumineth if they don't have you know protection of Hishop um, or protection of Teclis. But one defense against you know stuff like the dragons in terms of combat and, and fulminators is the minus one hit that we talked about mm -hmm. from Shining Company. Um, you know, hitting on threes versus hitting on twos is a huge difference. Um, 
and let alone if if that unit can't do all out of you know attack those fulminators are hitting on fours rather than threes which is insane right that's drops their damage output a ton now we we talked about it uh mentioned it briefly you have someone like avalonor behind um those you know wardens and that's minus two to hit and that unit the of fulminators is is you know even with plus one they're still at a, a four to hit um which really helps you know deal with their element uh, output like, or limit their output Sa- same you know to dragons they're less damaged but dragons obviously present the, the mortal wound challenge um it... but they're swingy as hell dragons are yeah, swingy as hell so. and if you've if you've got protection of hish up and you've got that five up ward there's been plenty of times I've rolled a dragon's breath attack and done like one mortal wound. 100%, yeah. Which is not going to be enough to chew through your 30 sentinels with 10 wardens, with emerald life swarm in the back, um, with a five-up ward. Like, it's a slow grind. Yeah, I think two dragons, you'd be really lucky if you killed five to ten wardens um, when you go in. And if, if it's not a unit of ten and it's a unit of 20, and 15 wardens are hitting you back with mortal wounds on fives. That's that'll take dragons down pretty quick. Um, yeah, they have no water save as well, so you, mm-hmm. you know, nine wounds a piece, right? So you'll pull them down quite quickly. Yeah, yeah. If like even let's say if you have 15 wardens survive because you did uh, all of defense and aether courts, um, that's 30 attacks. That's 10 mortal wounds right off the top. Let alone the other hits where you're. You know what, like threes and threes at night one rend. Like, that'll, you know, again, you'll take a dragon off right away and, and potentially bring down the other one if it's got any wounds on it. Yeah. And then the other one I'd probably want to call out, and uh, your mate Carl from, mm-hmm. from the Seasons of War, we, Carl needs no introduction, uh, has been a leader of Craggy, the Craggy meta, Kragnos, the Ender of Empires. And mm-hmm. first six months wasn't very popular um and all of a sudden a couple of rules changes went his way none more impactful than a six up ward uh, a couple of other things like the 3d6 charge and there's other good things in there but counting his 30 bodies yeah. counting his 30 bodies you know mighty is right here and those types of things but his package overall has become far more valuable than it was six months ago and it's been great for me as a delivery mechanism to get those mega gargans charging on a 3d6 or stone horns charging on a 3d6 right and stone horns do mortal wounds depending on the dice roll right so how how do you think lumineth goes against against old craggy they love it love him we welcome him with open arms um when you can now he does have the spell reflex you're not getting like something like um lambent light on him but again you're doing 10 mortal wounds with with a 30 block of sentinels if you have a 30 block of sentinels, you're doing 10 mortal wounds off the bat. If you get even just 10 wardens into him, those wardens are finishing him off. So, And I guess as well, like when he then charges in, if you get Unleash Hell, um, that's probably enough to either A, stop him from charging, which is one mm-hmm. of his key benefits, or B, he's going in for more damage. And there's a good chance he's either going to die or be heavily wounded. And then yeah. hopefully the wardens kind of, um, yeah. uh, if they do hold up, they can kind of bring him down. Yeah, and, and he is fast enough that in your traditional Lumineth build that he has the potential you know, opportunity where he's choosing the engagements and getting to go in first. And, you know, he can obviously kill a ton of, ton of stuff, but again, with, with that nade one to hit, plus two to save, really helps mitigate it, especially if you have a five-up ward, you know, behind that unit. Um, 
with a potential Avalonor or something behind your screen. Minus two to hit is huge. So, And there's a secret little uh, – I love your list. I'm going to bring it up very shortly. I want to hear a little bit more about who, who you're going to struggle with. But there is a unit that I think should have been played for the last six months and it hasn't really seen a lot of light. Um, I wonder – <laughs> but uh it, it, i think it's it's got a really good spot now and, and to be reasonably played but is there any other is there any other type of armies that you you struggle with or when you're building your list you're thinking like right how can i pull down a mega how can i handle long strikes is there any anything like that you always think about yep i'd say i'd say big ones are your traditional honestly your traditional top five like your stormcast um because they're a similar army uh and can, and can you know do a ton of damage to you. Uh, Daughters of Cain is always a, a like a, a coin flip matchup. Um, Sons of Bamat, if could because of how hard it is to bring them down and how hard they hit, they can rip through you really quick, and it can be tough to take them off objectives. So, all those all those traditional ones, <laughs> the armies we all know are good are good against all them. Right. All, all right, right. well, tough matchups. Jordan's not giving me a lot here. I, I was trying to like pry a little bit out, but how about I bring up his list and we'll talk about how he's using his list to actually defeat sons, daughters, um, Stormcast, yeah. Zench, Seraphon, blah, blah, blah. So for anyone who can't see, uh, maybe you're on the podcast listening to a little bit later, um, it is a um, – What's your sub allegiance? Because I always call it aluminium because I was teasing yeah. Hayden Walker and it's now just stuck. It's just yeah. stuck in my head. Alumnia. Alumnia. Thank you. I always just want to call alumina. Al <laughs> um, so alumnia, you've gone price sorcery with um, bloodthirsty. Mm -hmm. um, you've got your Cathala with the waystone and the speed of Hish. You've got your Venari Lord Regent with burning gaze, Lambert line as the general. The model that I love, the return, um, is the Light of Altharian. I think um, it's a really good little model that probably people didn't play. I, I want to know why you've re-entered it into the list. You've gone the Emerald Life Swarm. No surprise why that's there. But then you've gone 30 Wardens, uh, 20 Wardens, 20 Sentinels, 5 Dawn Riders, and then 10 Wardens. So you've dropped a little bit back on the shooting, but you've also reintroduced the Dawn Riders, which... Um, I, I know they were popular at, at one particular point, but you kind of dropped a little bit. So a lot in there. You've gone one drop battle reg, nineteen thirty. So you've almost guaranteed yourself the triumph. Um, Very important for this build. Yeah, and I'll, I'm going to know. I want to know why you didn't spend that extra seventy points in a minute. Mm -hmm. You've got the one drop at one hundred and eight wounds. Talk me through what you're doing here because this has a lot of commonality to some of the popular builds, yeah. but you've gone and tweaked this up and maybe yeah. this is the evolution of responding to the meta. Yes. And so everything we've talked about from, you know, techless losing, losing value, uh, they're not being as much magic presence. So you're more liable with your kind of generic casting um, wardens being the absolute work workhorse of the army. Um, those I said those are the the big ones, and then needing to respond to to volume of damage, um, need needed more bodies. This is all answers to that. Um, so looking at first thing I'd say is is people have always complained about sentinels. 
but but I, you know those people that like that just like you know generically showed at Sentinels because they just you know got beat by them or something. They f- you know quickly forget that wardens do twice as much damage as, as Sentinels. Um, you know just point you know um, and, and at what you know uh, you know thirty points or twenty five points cheaper. Now their their drawback is obviously the threat range, um, which is one thing that Alumnia helps us overcome. Uh, so to go through the subfaction abilities of Alumnia, the first one is getting to do a pre-game movement for uh, three units. Um, it's just Venari and Sonari units, um, and they get to do their full movement. It's not D3 units, it's three. So it's something you can predict, and you know what you're doing, and you can build into your strategy. Um, this is a one-drop battle regiment, so you'll know, unless you're facing another one-drop, you'll know when you deploy if you're going to have choice to go first or not. That's super big. Um, with, with this build, so uh, again, allegiance or so, sorry, self faction abilities. The first one is that pre day move, um, let something like your wardens, you know, move six inches, get further. You know, they're often tagging an obje- another objective after that move, and when you have a thirty block and a twenty block, you're already making it hard for your opponent to take those objectives back. Um, in a game where you know armies are often trading back and forth on objectives, it's if they're just not getting hold more for two, you know the first two or three turns, super significant. Um, do you always move them? Because obviously I can move the full movement, right? Do I or do you always move three units and do you move them to their full movement, or are you thinking about like do you do you want to go first? Do you want to go second? Obviously, opponents and battle plans are going to impact that. But as a generic statement, um, are you there, trying to move up the board and? There's a lot of variance to it. Um, in general, with your wardens, yes, you want to be moving up the board. Um, as we said, they haven't, you know, they don't have the threat range of sentinels, so bringing them to bear has always been harder. Um, but moving them six inches, think, you know, the battle plans that are, um, you know, 18, inch, 18 inches away, you move six inches pre-game, you move another six inches, now you only have a six-inch charge with that 30 block of wardens. Let alone the fact that you can do uh, speed of hish, so now they're three inches away, and or you can do um, the the other ability, the command ability from the sub faction, which is to run and charge. Um, so that potentially is letting a unit, you know, move twenty a, a unit of wardens on the first turn, moving twenty four inches is is the possibility. So think of that thirty block being exactly where your opponent doesn't want to in their face on a home objective whatever. Um, so that's the first one. Typically you don't need to do that much movement with it. You know, 18 inches is enough movement. So, um, you, you do the pregame movement, um, normal movement and maybe speed of fish on that unit. And it doesn't even need to use the command ability to, to reroll the charge with the smaller boards that also lets you potentially do the same thing, spend the other one, whether it's the command ability on a different unit. So, um, someone like, if there's room to get the bodies in, you can do that with the other 20 warden block where they're also pre-day move six, move six, and then you run and charge that unit. Um, for you know, Lumeth has a ton of command points, so they can you know, mm. probably auto run six. You're getting two units of wardens moving 18 inches, you know, addressing. If you want to be aggressive, and now this is matchup dependent, if you want to be aggressive with them, you know, put put them in your opponent's face as a question of can you deal with you know 50 50 wardens you know right up in your grill potentially keeping you off of objectives 
Um, or if the, you know, that obviously is a huge footprint with those two units, which is where someone like um, the Light of Altheria comes in because he is a, a little hero that has you know, a big presence. Um, looking at the threats in this list, he's probably the fourth threat that your opponent is worried about. But he he hits above his weight, you know, from a you know model perspective or a you know base size perspective, as well as a points perspective. As you mentioned, he he can. I've I've had him you know a couple times one shot a terror geist or a dual king on terror geist. So so light of Altharian is nasty. I just want to intercept because Hades mentioned the same thing I was going to mention, and and while you were talking, I just quickly wanted to revisit the rules. Um, you would break shining company if you ran or charged. Yes. So um just want to, i just want to call that one out is that if you did do the run with the ability uh yeah you'd break shining company can you re-enter shining company by after doing that no only if you teleport and there's no teleport in this list so cool okay so if you wanted yeah, to do that and you'd have to get a teleport in your list yeah. the amazing thing about this um is you break shining company when you end a move so you deploy all your stuff in shining company your 50 wardens that way if you decide you want to give away the turn you're defensive but because you have a pregame movement, depending on how the opponent deploys, you choose, you do your six-inch pregame movement, you can break a Shining Company at that point so you can run or so you can charge. Um, so you can, you know what I mean? You can deploy in Shining, then choose if you want to break it, if you want to go on the aggressive. There, there's tons of value to being fast and moving up and staying in Shining Company and letting your opponent come to you. But you have that tactical flexibility with that pregame movement if you want to break Shining Company or not. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just wanted to call out that you would be yeah. breaking Shining Company. You, you, and would, you would need, And you would need a way to reset up. So you could get back into the uh, the Shining Company if you had, I don't know, uh, Soul Screen Bridge. You had well, uh, any form a, of teleport. A Wind Mage. Like you could take a Wind Mage if you wanted to. Perfect, because that and the reason you can do that is because it says after a Venari unit is set up. So yeah. when you teleport, you are then setting up, which means you're back into Shining Company. So yeah. again, yeah. just want to call that one out. So yeah. uh, good, good shout out Hades as well. But yeah, I wanted to call that one out before people getting you know getting to think of combat and like, oh wait a second, I don't get my minus one to hit. Yeah, yeah, and and that's fine sometimes. Again, if you you have it's a judgment call, right? Do you want your wardens to? Do they need to absorb a hit or do they? Do you want them to deliver a crippling blow? Because 30 Wardens that very likely are all getting into combat are going to destroy whatever they did into combat with. So what makes the Light of Atharian worthwhile today? Because I think people really liked it at the start. It got dropped pretty quickly. But when you look at it, you know, the spirit armor ignoring modifiers, positive or negative. So it's on a three up armor safe. Um, you know, there's so many great rules on this. You know, you've got a, a, a nice little D6 or up to D6 mortal wound shooting attack. You've got a, a battle shock command ability. You've got um, a whole bunch of extra rules here. And it's a good little model for 200 odd points. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, exactly that. Like he's... He's a great model that, again, hits above his weight class. Um, he's relatively cost-effective for, for another hero. You can. It's nice to have another piece that, let's say, you're fighting between two pieces of terrain. You're not going to fit 50 Wardens, but you can fit 30 Wardens in the Light of Altharian. Um, you know, a Light of Altharian can blow up a screen so your Wardens are piling into something behind it. Um, and, and that 3-up armor save you mentioned, he, being ethereal, you can throw him into stuff that 
you know, and use him as a defensive piece at times of something that, you know, won't be able to chew through him fast enough. Now, if you can get him positioned where he's, you know, somewhere also getting the five up ward, that helps a ton. He's not, he doesn't have a ton of wounds. So, you know, if you fail two or three saves from a mega dargent, he's probably still dying. Uh, so you might not want, you know, he's not necessarily tying up a mega dargent, but he could, you, you know, you make those saves if the mega dargent charges and the mega dargent may be stuck in combat for an extra turn where he, you know, doesn't want to be. Um, so just a good little piece. I think, as I mentioned before, this, the other version of this list, and I was debating which one I wanted to send to you, is dropping, you know, 10 Wardens, that Light of Altharian, and you're fitting in Avalonor or the other um, Spirit of the Mountain. Uh, so that's, that's I, the other I, option. I do want to call out a couple of other rules that I really like with the Light of Altharian is you you have the damage inflicted by missile weapons and yep. melee weapons that target the Light of Altharian. Yep. So in the case of a Mega Gargan who has... In most cases, other than like the flail attack, it has a couple of hits and a couple of wounds. You ignore the rend, and yep. then obviously you reduce the damage as well. So it's a tanky little piece. Yep. But then you've also got the Sonari Blade and the Fang Sword of Altharian. So if it charges, you're doing four attacks, hitting on twos, wounding on twos, rend three for D3. And then the Sonari Blade, if you pick a hero in the combat phase within three, you get plus one to wound, is it? No, well, it's plus one damage. So it's doing D3 on two attacks, D3 plus one. I mean, it's only rend one, but no. um, it's a great little defensive piece. It's a great little offensive piece. Most people will probably ignore it because I'll go for like your Sentinels and some of your support pieces like the Cathalar, but yeah. it's a well, tanky little model. Well, that's that's the thing. When there's 30 Wardens in your face, you know, or, or you know, 50, whatever, and or Sentinels taking down your heroes you know, from the back of the board. The Altharian's probably not your, your biggest concern. Um, but, you know, a couple turns of, of him doing his thing can, you know, he can blend. He's like, he's like a, a you know, a budget Gotrek, cost-effective Gotrek. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, uh, and faster, you know, faster. And, um, we, you know, the big drawback of Gotrek is you can't manipulate his speed. Here you can, and Lumineth has the tools to do it. How do the units all work together? Whether it's the way that you play with them, you interact with them, is there certain units that protect certain units? Um, your Dawn Riders, like talk to me about like the unit combination. Yeah, so um, a big piece with the Dawn Riders, again, we talked about that pre-game move. It's a it's not a, a you know limited to a certain amount of movement. So your Dawn Riders, if you pre-game move them, they're moving 14 inches. Um, you did mention why it's like, you know, you know, in 1930, there's 70 points in there. That's literally the value of Spell Portal. Well, you don't necessarily need Spell Portal in here because you can pre-day move the Dawn Riders there 14 inches, and they're in range to potentially cast Lambent Light on whatever they want. Um, so, so that's a you know a, a piece with them. They're also you know your typical fast objective hold you know grabber. Um, you double move them to you know 28 inches um, with a pre-day move. They're moving. Uh, 42 inches in a turn if you ever need to do that which you probably don't but but like you know if if a seraphon player or something like any any army that has one wound infantry leaves you know a gap and doesn't realize they can move 42 inches on turn one those five dawn riders can take out a you know a, take a chunk out of 30 skinks uh, mm. on the charge so so they have the you know they're playing different ways you know some matchups all they're going to be doing is screening out you know, your other units, 
Um, you know, if you throw 50 wardens in into one half of the opponent's army, they're screening, you know, sitting in the middle of the table. So the other half of the opponent's army has to go into them first, um, you know, before they can come help out on the wardens. Um, again, the, you know, a caster. So um, if you want to get that Lambent Light or you just need a, a you know, um, uh, a Mystic Shield or a Life Swarm cast, they're great at that. Um, so just a, you know, good little utility pick. Um, you could, you know, have that unit of, of wardens that that single ten. They're kind of similar role where they're just more flexible pieces. Um, the wardens are going to sit on an objective in your territory. Um, they're somewhat defensive, you know, helping screen out the the sentinels, so that you know, while you're you know potentially being aggressive with with some parts of your army, it does give you another unit in the backfield. That's why you maybe wouldn't want to do bump it up to two thirty blocks. Not that you could have because of um, you already your reinforcement yeah. tab, yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, so, so great little tech there, and uh, with with the Dawn Riders, their their ability. Um, as you did mention, there is only twenty Sentinels here. Uh, the reason for that is uh, obviously with the Wardens being able to leverage their damage there, you know, quickly because that was always the you know the limitation of Wardens as you were only moving you know six, maybe twelve inches. Um, now you can be much more reliably aggressive with them. They are the damage output, so you don't need it from your Sentinels. Um, so the Sentinels are really just a scalpel here. Uh, so you're you know killing a screen, so your wardens can hit what's behind it. Uh, killing the you know that five wound um, vampire lord, so he's not buffing plus one attack to the zombies or you know, stuff like that. Um, so you're using them as a sniper as opposed to one of your key damage yes outputs. exactly yeah because that's what you see like you see the the sentinels buffed up to the nines 30 you know 30 block mm -hmm. uh every buff known to man that can go onto them and then you just try to pull down whatever you can or at least heavily damage mm -hmm. but for you it's more about pulling out the support pieces the screens doing things like you know broken ranks and pulling down cheap battle line or chipping away things that are sitting on an objective but you've really switched it out and using the speed of um, of the sub-allegiance to buff yep. the wardens. Yep. Yep. And, um, you know, talking about the meta, obviously we've seen, you know, we see a ton of iron draws. We still see a ton of combat um, in the meta, right, and, and doing well. There's, you know, your balance lists like Lumineth, traditionally, like in Daughters of Cain and Stormcast, they're balanced, but you... You're still seeing that uh, just in Sons of Bamot and Iron Jaws alone, like tons of combat, combat output. So this gives you more bodies. Uh, 30, 30 Wardens are more bodies than a, you know, a Mega Gargant. Um, yeah. I, I played a game against Lumineth last weekend, and it was majority like you know, 30, 30 Sentinels. I think it was like two or three units of, um, of Wardens. Uh, it had two Foxes, both Severeth and not Severeth. Yeah. Uh, and a law seeker as well so they played around with the movement shenanigans but i threw a couple of mega gargans and craggy into it and like you collapse those 10 yeah. really quickly i think if if i played a, you know against yourself with 20 of the wardens and then you still got those sentinels in the back i don't know with the minus one to hit penalty and with you know uh, protection of hish if i could have ground that down or how much it would have taken for me to grind down mm -hmm. um yeah, it would have been a lot harder to get into the middle. And obviously being a lot of a thawing as well. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Omega Garden, if you have 30 Wardens, and, and there's 60 Wardens in this list, so you have 30 on two different objectives, 
like you know you have to go like if light elf eltharian's there too you have to go into the wardens because you want the objective so you're leaving the light of eltharian to do his thing um is there any other heroes or support troops that would work well with the, either venari or just the combination of the wardens and the sentinels like is there anything i don't know like the banner blade or you know the, you know any anyone else even like the venari like blade lords I yeah uh, I, I think if you have the points for them um the the Cathlar and the Lord Regent are the two best heroes in this army. And um, the Cathlar, you know, it's huge because this, you know, with this many bodies, this army is susceptible to battle shock. And you haven't chosen the triumph of um, uh, Indomitable. Um, so you're only, you know, potentially using Inspiring Presence on one unit. So this allows you, with the Cathlar, give you, gives you another reinforcement or another kind of uh, ability to fall back on to help with battle shock, as does actually surprisingly the light of Altharian's command ability comes up more than you would think. Um, you know, if you take four casualties, um, rolling a six and losing four more wardens can be backbreaking. But if you just pop the light of Altharian's command ability again, this is an army that has a ton of them. Um, you're not you're not losing any wardens at all. Um, so so those you know two or three wound, wounds. Or two or three units, if your opponent spread out their damage to force battle shock, potentially aren't at battle shocking at all, or they're only losing one model on six compared to you know four, or you know like we're talking about. So, I think the challenge you've got, you know, is there's a lot of great little support pieces, but it's like, do you put all these support pieces in, or do you build around a core force? You know, the Calligrave has got some good rules, um, and you know, you could pop it into the into the shrine. Yep. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of, you know, the Banner Blade is a good little unit. You know, the little Goku-type flying um, Wind Mage is, is a, a nice mm -hmm. little unit. Um, I actually had the Calibrave, um, as was mentioned, I had the Calibrave in my list with Avalonor. Uh, so I, I literally played it last night, and I had the Calibrave in there. Again, yeah, cheap, effective hero. Uh, you know, mid-game, you probably want to wait to use his, uh, his room ability to give, you know, plus one plus one to casting and immune to battle shock anywhere on the battlefield in an aura. That's huge. Like, Yeah, that's massive. One that I've always really wanted to play with, and I've even looked at it as an ally, but I just can't justify it right now with the points is the twins. Is it um, yeah. uh, Eliana and uh, is it Eleanor? Um, yeah. Whatever the, uh, I don't know how to pronounce I, it, but I, I, I look, I looked at that. I'm like, man, I love the war scroll. Then I look at the points and I'm like, I don't like the points. Yeah. And and it's one of the only besides Teclas, it's the only like plus one to cast caster, and uh, I believe it's the two cast wizard. So that is would be amazing in this you know an army like this or a build like this to give you a little more reliability on you know the the really clutch spells. But yeah, it's just the points like you you couldn't you could you could sub it into um, light of you know for light of Altharian in this build. There's there's the room and the points, but. And they really can come alive towards the end of the game when attrition, you know, really hurts you. But again, I think this, this, this. That's not how we play the game. That's yeah. not how we play. We're not playing till turn five. And that's yeah. probably like all your benefits are like turn four, turn five, even yeah. turn three. But by then yeah. I need you to be, you know, you know, super say on in turn one, turn two. Yeah. And uh, like actually Avalonor suffers from the same issue which is an argument for the mountain, the regular one, Mountain Cow, in this list, they're, they're sub-faction locked. So they're not get, getting the run and charge. They're not you know, able to you know, be extra speedy in this sub-faction. 
um, where the light, light of Altharion is. So. Speaking of the great nations, are there other ones that you like? Like, you know, list aside, put your list aside. Um, of the six, mm -hmm. um, are there other great nations you think work quite well in the meta? Or, you know, because I know, was it Eumetrica is always popular? Um, uh, Zytrek. Zytrek is Zytrek. far and away, I think, the, the general best choice right now. I wouldn't say best choice. is the most common choice right now because plus one to cast and unbind is amazing. And, and you do want that reliability. Um, I think you like we're, we're at a point in the meta right in this moment um, where there's not a lot of casting out there. So you can, no. you know, you can scrape by. You might not get every spell off every turn, um, you know, in Alumnia, but you have so many spe like good spells that you don't need, you know, them all off. And some of them are just, you know, icing on top. Do you think Helon would be a trap to get the plus one attack for missile weapons yeah. within three inches of yeah, the enemy? You, you only take Helon if you want a you know a tech list that can you know move twenty four inches twice in a turn. That's you know the only thing you're really doing with it is like it lets you like be super aggressive with tech lists, like kill kill, uh, kill a unit or clear a screen and then bounce away either onto an objective or just to safety. Um, in my opinion, don't get me wrong. There's like I'm sure there's other builds you could do, but, but me really kind of seeing the strength of this army being in the, in the core of Venari stuff, that's, I, I've played it. Actually, I have Battle Report coming out Monday, um, playing against Daughters of Cain. I have, I played uh, Helon with Teclis and uh, had a Calibrave in that list. So, um, no yeah. spoilers here. You have to go watch the Battle Report yeah. in a couple yeah. of days' time. Yeah. No, look, it is consistent with what we've seen over the last six, even, you know, even since the second version of these books dropped, it has always been heavily focused through the Yunari, the um, Venari, the Venari kind of builds have always been quite popular. And I know even when I've had other list discussions with people building around Dawn Rider, Stone Guard, like it's all good stuff in theory, but you just don't see it on the table very often. And if mm. you want to run those types of builds, you absolutely can run a whole bunch of beef of secrets, run a whole bunch of like, I like, I want to see a world where there's wind charges. Yeah. Like why, why are we not seeing wind charges? Like bring me those kangaroos that right I, now it's just, I think, I think the incentives are just too high yeah. to Venari. Yeah. If, if they were a wizard, I would 100% throw them in this list in, instead of the Dawn Riders. But the Dawn Riders, you really want their spell, whether it's, again, Lambent Light or just casting that Mystic Shield on that 30 block of Wardens before you send them in, in, the, in this you know, list that we're talking about. But otherwise, they're a great Stormishing unit. Yeah, yeah. I think I'd, I'd rather Dawn Riders over the Kangaroos yeah. at the moment. Given that we've got, um, we've got Fire Slayers and IDK, and you being an IDK man, um, if I was a Lumineth player, am I concerned of either of these two armies? Obviously, Forgotten Nightmares with IDK is going to make your life a little harder with those Sentinels. Yeah. Um, so I don't know the, the new Fire Slayers book. I haven't really dove into that too much, so I, I won't speak to, can't speak to that one. Um, but Deepkin, I literally played this match against, you know, tested against Deepkin last night and literally you know, in that, that matchup, I, you know, the, I was able to, with Lumineth, the beast, I was super aggressive, got up in the face, 
Um, you know, doing mortal wounds, you know, 30 wardens, and I had an Avalonor in that list. Like, they're, you know, chewing through, you know, a good chunk of stuff, um, depending on, you know, it's hard. You can't screen them out, and, you know, or you can't zone, you know, be too far because this army, this build is so fast. Um, literally, that game came down to just who won turn two priority. Like, because because Lumeth was so aggressive so fast and, and took such you know, a big hit out, um, like Lumeth, you know, I, you know, won the turn two priority and then literally sealed the game top of turn two because I had done so much damage with the wardens that I had taken out pretty much half of the army um, on turn one between you know both both players' turns. That again, it, it would would have been lethal either way. I think, um, but yeah. So would I can't. You- Oh, I was just gonna say I can't say I, I think you know your traditional Lumineth would have a lot more trouble with Deepkin, but here where you're not relying on the shooting gear as much, you're you're more you're fine with it. Um, you, you 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 like the minus one to hit really hurts them. If you're sitting on an objective uh, and you want to let them come to you, or they try to alpha you, or whatever, that really hurts them. The mortal wounds back will just rip through Deepkin. Um, and you've also got the defensive buffs. So when it comes to high tide turn three, you know, if you have, again, the protection of Hish, you're going to be able to sustain more of that damage in turn three yeah. um, than, than some other factions. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Deepkin has always struggled against, like, they've been ever present in the meta, besides maybe falling off in 3.0 a bit. Um, because, but but what's, where they've struggled is with armies that can... Um, be super aggressive on them combat-wise and are more resilient than them. And, you know, that's something that this build could can be. Um, so, yeah. Um, interesting question from Manny. Do you think the Teutonic Force is a trap or can it ever be good? So that would be the um, Alarith battle trait of, um, what is it, at the end of combat, pick one enemy unit within one, uh, and then you basically that unit must, unit must move to finish and move more than one inch away from the other. It, it's it's cute. It's a cute ability. I think it'll come up if you're lucky. One in ten games where it'll be relevant. So I'm not so, building around it. Yeah, like I'm, yeah, like it's a nice exactly. ability to have. But would I go out and get an Alarith unit just to use Teutonic Force? Probably not. But hey, at least it's not a dice roll. And, you know, to the Stormkeep's point, you know, Agile, uh, sorry, Ideneth can seem Agile. Um, it doesn't have a lot of spell um, protection. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, where it's going to annoy you through the Forgotten Nightmares, if they become popular, is being able to stop you from picking where your Sentinels are going to shoot. So, uh, again, why you might not want to over-rely on just, you know, your strategy being around the Sentinels, mm-hmm. because if you come up against them, they're going to stop you from shooting where you want to shoot. Yep, for sure. Would you bring any of those um, IDK units into Lumineth, given they are an ally choice? Yeah, I, I've, I've had lists. I didn't want to put one. I, I generally like to play within a faction, just as a personal preference, but I've, I have lists with a 20 or 30 block of thralls. They're dirt cheap, 130 yeah. points, great little combat unit. Yeah. You know, a 20, like 30 is probably too much, but a 20 block as a, a second wave in 
where you know you have whatever going to first or screening them out and they're kind of a counterattack piece or like I said the second wave they can they can do the damage uh, and hit outside their weight class in terms of points right now uh, so you know they can really help in a target matchup you know taking down a mock crusher they're they're solid yeah, definitely plays to the strengths and, you know, they can be a great screen and not give away a battle tactic or they could absolutely cut face in some things that you're probably not as strong at if you need yeah. uh, mass damage because yeah. they get boosts if you either have one wound characteristic or three wounds and more, you get different boosts. So mm -hmm. as long as you don't have two wounds, uh, those thralls are getting a whole bunch of nice little buffs. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, I guess one other thing to talk about in this list is I, I mentioned – it being really important to be 30 points or 70 points down here uh, yeah, at 1930. Um, the reason for that is is the Triumph Bloodthirsty. If you saw the battle report where I ran Alumnia probably two months ago or in the last two months with Lumineth, um, I had Light of Lotharian. He did the you know run and charge. It's a command ability that you use in the charge phase after you ran to be able to charge. Lotharian was at three inches away. He rolled Snake Eyes, and because he used a command ability that turn, he couldn't re-roll it. So that ability to re-roll with the unit that you use the command ability to run a charge with is critical, uh, or is very important. It's you know, it's so it's so important. You like just slapping the table, like you got to get it done. Like it's just it's, a judge, like yeah, just lock just it in, folks. Risk risk mitigation because that's a three inch charge. Those aren't easily available. So if it was only three inch charges, you might not worry about it. But if you have a six inch charge, you really want to be able to re-roll that one unit. It also lets you again, if you are super aggressive turn one with you know two of the units in this army where there's three that you could be with, um, it gives you two re rolls. So you can you know the the unit that you're not speed of hish on that moved you know, 18 inches um, total or, or even just 12. Uh, and they got a six inch charge on, on some objectives or some missions. Gives you a re lets you reroll them with a the command point, And then the one that unit that ran a charge gets the reroll from bloodthirsty. So, and it allows you to circumvent the ability to, um, you know, obviously a unit cannot issue or receive a command more than yeah. once per phase. Yeah. So given that you are leveraging a command phase command ability, that would then deny you from using a reroll charge because that means you'd have two. But by using the triumph, it allows you to circumvent that. So mm -hmm. it's a great little fallback. Um, and, you know, do you do Umble Spell Portal or another Endless Spell? Or do you have that guarantee? Uh, I can see why you'd want that guarantee because, um, yeah, like, you know, like you can put a spell portal in here. It's nice. But yeah. would it make, it's would cool. it be a big needle mover? Yeah. Probably not at this stage. No. And especially like you're able to get your spells in range with the pre-day movement, if whatever you want to do. I mean, even Darkness of the Soul on the Cathlar, it's 18 inch range isn't crazy, but you do a six inch pre-day move with the Cathlar. That's now 24 inches that you're you're getting. So, you know, hard to avoid. Two burning questions and we'll wrap this up. Um, one is, what's the key to success? Like if I want to do well with Lumineth, whether it's a list like yours or a list that's modified slightly, what's going to win me the game? What are the keys to my victory? Um, these aren't Lumineth specific. So I'll mention these and then, and then some others. 
but but in general, it's it's knowing your army in and out and the tricks and the tech and the options and being able to like just knowing any army intimately, tons of games and games and reps will just help you in the in that bad moment think of solutions and figure out problems and and work arounds where you know that's why we see you somebody picks up stormcast for the first time they're not going to win a gt because they don't you know it's you still got to play the army and and the more reps the more that's always number one number two is knowing your opponent's army so the more practice you can get against a more you know wide variety of armies the better off you're to be so those are like the the two biggest things i'd say not specific to lumineth um but with this build with Lumineth, it's like being smart about when you're in Shining Company versus when you're you know, out of it, when you need to, you know, you want, you have a 10 man screen of Wardens. You probably don't care about Shining Company if you're, you know, deploying them on the line because they're just meant to die. And maybe you want to run them up further so they can tie an objective turn one and then die. And whatever's going into them is probably to have the output to deal with them. So Shining Company would be damned, like. So that that's a big one with the army in general. Um, spell choice, you know, it takes a lot of, of you know less work than when you run techless, but it takes a lot of understanding of. It's also game spell casting, like especially with this many spells, you want to bait out the unbinds for different things. You want to, um, you know, always be perfectly clear about the spells you have available to you and, and whatnot. But there's a, a ton of spells that an opponent will fear in Lumineth and um, you, you know, maybe want to dangle some different ones or, or, you know, play the, play the mind games a little bit of like which spells your opponent finds most critical, which compared to which ones you actually think are most critical. Um, trying to get, you know, those spells through is obviously super important. So. And which ones are the ones that are most critical? So what are the ones that you as a Lumineth player really want to be getting off? Um, all, I mean, all of them are good. The, in this, in this speed of hish is really, really good. So you can get two units in reliably at three inch charges, uh, potentially. Uh, so, so those are really good. Um, if you have that 30 block of wardens and they get, you know, power of hish cast on them from the Lord Regent. So, so big one is, is, um, a greater power of hish from the Lord Regent. He frees up D3 more casts for your army, basically. That's the way to look at it. Um, potentially allowing your wardens to then cast uh, protection of hish, where this thirty block of wardens now has a self-sustaining five of board save that it, mm. it is that in that unit, so it goes wherever that unit is. Just gotta be smart that you don't stretch out too wide and you keep your your unit leader in the center, but you don't have to babysit them with a hero that has it. They have it on themselves, so that's a really good one. Ethereal blessing is great. You put that on. On that that warden block, so you don't even need to use your aether courts if there's something with high rend, or you put it on. If you're going in with both of your warden units, you put it on one of them so that the other one can you know double aether courts, and then you have you know even against you know two rend, both units are still on four ups. You know, great spells. Speed of hish is amazing. Lambent light, all situational. So all so great spells. Are yeah. all great spells. As an opponent, I was trying to bait you to see what spells I should unbind. But the reality <laughs> is, is you're a jerk and you normally roll really high rolls. Then you get pluses to it. And, you know, all the stress of trying to focus on Lambert Light, uh, then you roll a 12. So it's, it's, mm -hmm. it, 
it's really overwhelming as an opponent because I've only got one, two, three, four, if I'm really lucky. Yeah. You have so many spells to choose. And what I just said is true, is um, I will let a couple go through, ones that were possibly unbindable, and then it will get to certain parts and you'll roll really hot and you'll get a good bo- um, uh, boost. And, you know, if it's arcane terrain or you get a natural pl- plus to cast, the spells that I was really focusing and trying to save to kind of, you know, s- stop, well, I'm denied to begin with, right? So yeah. Yeah. Um, you yeah. got to take your chances too. You know, like Hades talk about Soul of Flare, that's another good spell. Like mm-hmm. it's just, you've got a lot of good options. And I think the key is, is to find those consistencies across the group, yeah. to bait them, to try to get unbinds out so you've got an easier path out. Yeah. I, I'd consider Solar Flare, if, if you took another unit of Dawn Riders, Solar Flare would be a great spell on, on that second unit of Dawn Riders because um, that's almost one that your opponent is forced to unbind early because, like, and this is a great thing about the pregame movement. You, you move 14 inches forward, you're casting anywhere, that unit can still move 14 to 20 inches later. So you're repositioning them where you're getting your spell in range. And then you're also putting that unit back in the position that you want it to be in. Yeah. That's so good. Um, so, so, and if you have something like solar flare, it, it's minus two to cast a spell on bind. You, you know, throw that, you know, run that unit forward, go to cast that spell. It also does mortal wounds on sixes to any unit. So it's an anti-horde spell as well. Um, your opponent basically is like, okay, I have five on, you know, or let's say three on binds, like you said, that's a good average. A lot of armies don't even have that many, which is why you're okay taking, you know, with this kind of build. Um, but if you get solar flare off and your opponent has three on binds, they have to spend one of them for that spell. So they can't not because otherwise the, the other two on binds are, are ineffective. Yeah, no, I dig it. I uh, absolutely dig it. I'm going to bring up a question from the chat. I don't know what this is on about. Maybe you know this. Maybe it's an inside joke <laughs> I've missed on a battle report. But will you be modeling any zipper knees to your Lumineth um, from Carlos? I I have not yet. Well, you know what? All Actually, that's a lie. All my Wardens and Blade Lords, they all have zipper knees. You just can't see them because it's underneath their knee pads or, or their uh, tabards and whatnot. They're, they're um, MC Hammer pants. Yeah, yeah, so... Uh, Flamingo Pie is asking, uh, how often do you use this Scenari auto cast uh, if you concentrate ability? Uh, rarely, I would say. Um, unless there's something like, if, if you're choosing in, a, in any kind of build, if you're choosing to be a little more defensive, give away first turn, or like, whatever, you're not in range for your spells, then sure, use it. Or you're not leveraging anything good. You already got your Mystic Shields off. You got, you know, three extra spells because you're Lord Regent and you don't need to cast anything else. Then you just, it's it's great. It, it's, it's a great ability, for sure. Um, or, the, you know, the opponents outside of um, Lambent, Lambent Light Rain, or not Lambent, whatever spell you have, Darkness and Soul range on the Cathlar, that's, you know, getting to auto-cast that on a nine is huge. Or Total Eclipse, those are that is amazing. So if you don't need anything turn one, if you get your total eclipse off and you're facing up, you know, with the sentinels, um, because of greater power and you're uh you're facing a high bravery army where darkness of the soul is, is useless or they're not, you know, they're a slow army, they're not getting into you turn one, then yeah, it's it's great because then you're autocasting at the next turn. So good yeah, good no, good back pocket thing. It's not something you're gonna be doing every game. Yeah, you don't need to alpha with your with your abilities. Just because you can doesn't mean you should turn yeah, one. 
Last question, Jordan, because I know you've got lots of things to do. And if people haven't been already impressed and subscribed to Seasons of War, go check them out. I'm sure friends of the channel, go check them out. Um, great, great battle reports. Um, throw some dollary dues at them as well and become a member and um, you get even more battle reports. So, um, yeah. Appreciate it. Come join us. Well, when, I, when am I, I going to have a guest spot in on, on Season of War? Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know what? You got to come come to a, an event with us, and you can come join this show. We don't do enough, obviously, like live content and, and that kind of content. But hey, come down for a battle report today. We filmed our bas- first battle report with an international guest. Uh, uh, so hey, we're you're very welcome. Would love to have All you, right, mate. Well, I was meant to come up to Canada last year, two years ago, so that didn't happen. Damn COVID. But who knows what was going to happen. Last question, and uh, then we'll kind of wrap things up, is deployment strategies. Do you have any advice for me? And again, battle tactics, opponents, all of that's going to come into considerations. But, you know, as a, a learning Lumineth player, sitting under your learning tree, any advice you want to give to me around battle uh, battle tactics, about, about, about deployment and some considerations? Do I deploy on the line and am I always trying to maximize my sentinel shots? Am I pulling back to make the charge harder? Am I splitting out my force? Am I castling? Like, give me some thoughts. Yep. If you want to, again, if, if you decide that the best strategy is to castle up and give away the turn, then you deploy your screens, you know, your 10 wardens in front, let them take the hit. Uh, if you decide you want to utilize the pre-day movement, either to like, you know, move and then charge, or just to take objectives, put 30 bodies on, on you know, an objective, whatever, tag objectives before the game starts so you already control them before turn one. Um, then you may, you know, you want to put your 20, 30 wardens on the on the front lines, you know, as well as uh, Altharian. And, and so long as you win the roll off, if you're facing one drop, you're generally going to be knowing if you're going to have choice. Um, so you can be super aggressive if, you know, but 30 wardens, 20 wardens are also aren't, you know, if your opponent doesn't have something you're super worried about, they're not the worst thing to have on the line because, you know, they can be super tanky, they can be super resilient, and they're not an enticing unit to be stuck in combat with. And obviously with the Alumnius stuff as well, you've got the pregame move, so it makes mm-hmm. life a whole lot easier. So you can move forward and then keep moving forward, or you could just move forward and just sit there. Yep. And I think even to like Zach's point as well, like Zach asking like, what do you think around the, the spell portal? I think, you know, one, you don't have it in your list, and I'm obviously talking for you and you can tell mm-hmm. me how wrong I am. But one, you've talked about the triumph being far more important for those extra points than spell portal. Spell portal's nice, but if you really need that spell to go off and you need the range, you could always put your Cathalar or your spell mm-hmm. using the Alumnia ability to get the pre-game move and extend the range. And it's exactly. a guarantee as opposed to uh, having to cast a spell to get another spell. Yeah. Um, yeah. Outside of Alumnia, you might find the yeah. spell portal is more favorable. I think in the traditional kind of techless build, uh, if Life Swarm is so good that you want to take it, and because of the way points work, if you take Life Swarm, you have the points for Spell Portal because you had to drop a unit anyways. So you're taking both. It, it doesn't hurt. It's it's great with Techless. Um, Zach mentioned Storm of Searing White Light. It's such a good spell. Like you think like we're seeing MSU in some armies with like you know beast you know the Nurgle spam lists. Um, so you you know it's still great utility. Getting Lambent Light off in, in other builds where you don't have the pregame move is amazing. 
still great utility out of Umbral Spell Portal. Tons of value, um, especially with Techless. Yeah, and you know, like, would I drop the Emerald Life Swarm for the uh, Umbral Spell Portal? No, I would not. You know, the ability to double tap with the Emerald Life Swarm, just with the wording, with being able to heal and then at the end of the um, hero phase make another heal in that first battle round, the first mm -hmm. battle round that it's summoned. You know, being able to bring back potentially six models, especially from whatever unit, is brutal. Um, so I certainly wouldn't be dropping the Life Swarm to put in the portal. If I had the extra points, would I? Well, in your case, Triumph is better, but I guess it's situational. I think yep. the, the yep. key here is Alumnia probably doesn't need it. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Jordan, any final comments, anything you want to say, any shout-outs you want to make? Obviously, uh, the amazing cast should be on this channel at some time. Yeah. We'll have to book that. Um, um, I, I Honestly, so I have a GT tomorrow. I'm playing the the old Deepkin book for the last time. First time at an event in, in AOS 3, actually, but I want to give that book a, a good send-off. Um, yeah, I, I do want to boo you, like literally 24 hours oh. in, in, in the future, you're going to be running Deepkin, but it's to a be fair, last hoo-ha. So I would, re I regret after kind of planning this out, you know, this, after the submission and, and digging into this more, I wish I was taking this list. I would, it would be so much fun. I would, I would love it. So, um, but it'll be a fun set up for Deacon, but I, I would love to be playing this list. I definitely want to play it at, at an event uh, soon. Um, I hope, you know, it's excited some other Lumineth players who maybe are, are uh, a little sour of you know, how their traditional builds have dropped off. So this might be something fun to try. If anyone does run it at an event or in any games, I'd love to hear about how it went um, on Twitter or wherever. You know, we have a, a season war Discord as well. So if anyone runs this list, I want to hear all about it or a similar you know kind of concept list. Yeah, and we've got Adepticon like two weeks time, so who knows? Maybe the tide will turn, and you mm. know more of the Lumineth players will step up. They had their funds with dragons, and I think that was probably one comment that I heard was people have kind of switched from Lumineth to Stormcast. So. Maybe maybe they'll have their fun and now they want to come back to the good stuff, which is Lumineth. And who knows, maybe Adepticon, there's a couple of other big events coming up in the near future. We'll see mm -hmm. more of our uh, enlightened friends on the top tables. Yep, for sure. Hopefully. <laughs> and if you haven't got the memo yet, go and subscribe to Season of War. They're a great mm -hmm. bunch of people and they've been on my channel many times and they will continue to come here. Jordan, let's bring this home. I'm going to go do some stuff, and you're probably going to do some stuff. And yep. uh, you are an absolute legend. Uh, you know what to do, folks. Live, subscribe, hashtag, go overseas in a war as well. And until next time, uh, shoot the heroes, roll more sixes, do Lambert lights. I don't know. Yep. What, what, what can we sign off with? Power of Hish. Get all your Power of Hishes off. Then it's fives and sixes. So get out your Power of Hish. All right. See you, peeps. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks for sticking around until the end. I hope you found that video interesting and you walked away with a few new ideas. If you did, I would appreciate it if you hit like on the video as well as left me a comment. Let me know what your thoughts are in the comment section below. The conversation will continue over on Discord, so links down below in the episode description if you want to join the Discord and continue the Age of Sigmar conversation. I want to give a massive shout out as well to these absolute bloody legends, these champions who have continued to support me through Patreon or YouTube members. That is going directly into supporting the maintenance and the growth of this channel. So thank you very much, guys. Much appreciated. And until next time, roll more sixes.